0: The Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your Case IH dealer in southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used Case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Their experienced technicians and a wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a Rider's prize package. Welcome to the Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac
1: Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. A Rough Rider podcast.
0: Welcome to episode nine of the Rouge Report. Today, it's just... uh, your two favorite guys, Cody and Isaac, just bantering. <laughs> yeah, usually these episodes
1: go pretty well because I think the, the listeners learn something about us and uh, we also kind of fly off the handles a little bit um, <laughs> and it makes it a little bit more enjoyable. It's not all about football and sometimes when we have those interviews, it can be so football dominated. Um, I like these because we get to talk about just what's happening in our life, everyday life uh, as quarterbacks in the CFL on hold, waiting for that green light to come back up and play.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the variety hour when we get to go. Just like anything that comes to mind, just go ahead and spit it out and we'll roll with it. Yeah. First thing that comes to mind is I'm fresh off a 23, it was really
1: 25 hour road trip from Reno, Nevada. Yeah. To Fort Worth, Texas. So my wife is down there, started her first part of clinicals. um, And it's an eight week program down there. So she needed a car. I rented her a car for about two weeks and decided I'd drive our car down there. We only have one car. So Drove my car down there and oh my gosh, all right. So I went down through Vegas, uh, crossed from Arizona through New Mexico and then to, to uh, back to Texas. So first part of my trip, great, was going awesome. I cross over and I get through Vegas and I cross over in Arizona. Arizona is a beautiful state. I don't know if you've ever been, but like just mm-hmm. the lake and, you know, they got the dam there and just like the rocks and the mountains There's just so cool. And so I was driving, my, my trip was really 23 hours And I saw the Grand Canyon on like right next to it. And I'm like, how far is that? And it was an hour drive, two hour drive out of my way up and back down. And I was like, I'm like, I'm going to do it. I've never seen the Grand Canyon. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. So I've never been either. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Even though I'm by myself, I'm going to do this. So I go up to the Grand Grand Canyon. It starts dumping rain. And so I'm driving up and I don't know really where I'm going. I'm trying to look on my phone as I'm driving, which is bad, (laughs) but I'm trying to look. Can you see the Grand Canyon when it rains? And everything I looked at was like, it never rains in the Grand Canyon. If it does, it's only going to happen for a little bit and you'll be able to see everything fine. So I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm driving up, I'm looking out my window, I'm looking at the clouds. I'm like, I don't know, this is, it's pretty bad storm. So I get up there, first of all, it's like, I guess it's like 40 bucks, 35 bucks to get into the actual national park. And they're Mm -hmm. just waving people in, like you don't even have to stop and pay. So that was pretty cool. But I'm thinking, okay, if they're doing that, there's no way you can be able to see the Grand Canyon. So anyways, I drive up, I get to the parking lot where it's like the south part. And there's nobody in the parking lot. And I'm just like looking around and I'm like, uh oh, this is kind of interesting. So I get out of my car. It is, like I said, dumping rain, lightning, thundering, and I'm looking around and I'm like a chicken with my head cut off cause I don't know where I'm <laughs> supposed to go. And I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Luckily there was these signs. So I sprint and all of a sudden the Grand Canyon is hard to miss. All of a sudden I just see this huge <laughs> thing. And so I go out on this walkway and I'm looking around. I'm like, if I fell in this right now, nobody would know that I'm, I'm dead. Like <laughs> my car would just be in the parking lot and they'd be like, oh, someone slept here overnight kind of thing. So, but that aside, it is so beautiful. If you are listening in and you ever find yourself in Arizona, go to the Grand Canyon, camp there. Um, I got some pictures. I was able to see it. And uh, I waited out. The, I ran back to my car, waited out the storm for about 20 minutes, went back. It was still kind of like uh, a little bit foggy and cloudy. But, uh, man, some of these pictures I'll post on my uh, Twitter after we release this episode. Man, Isaac, you got to go, man. What's – I guess what's your – have you been – Anywhere that just kind of strikes you and you're like, man, I got to be there. I got to go there again. Oh,
0: yeah. Golden, Colorado is where I went to to college at School of Mines. And that place, like everywhere you go, you could just take a picture and it would be like a postcard. Like and, even the the stadium itself, like it's just overlooks all the mountains and everything. I it's remember so you beautiful. talking about that. Is there any like national parks or anything there or No. Yeah. Just like there's a bunch of trails just like you could drive 10 minutes in any direction and get to a bunch of really nice trails. But the Red Rocks um, amphitheater where like every legendary band that's ever been has played is there and they got the museum there. So that's something that a lot of people go like either try and see a show or at least see the museum and stuff. What bands have you seen there? Because I know you're a big band guy. What have you seen there? I haven't personally went to a show because they're a little expensive for my taste. Usually I'm like an $8 <laughs> show, get into an underground show and like get after it a little bit. So I haven't, I haven't been to, uh, to Red Rocks. You call that
1: that grunge? Where where did, where did grunge come from? Is that, is that the correct term for that?
0: Yes. Um, (laughs) it's, it's technically like a musical style, like a genre that started in the nineties in the Seattle area with bands like, um, Temple of the Dog and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden. And they all kind of coined this, the media kind of coined the phrase grunge around them. And it's like basically melodic, but with like high energy guitar and like based on riffs and most of the bands are trios and stuff like that. So you got to get a pretty big sound from three guys. So is there any grunge Canadian bands? Buddy, do I have a treat for you? (laughs) And I think we might need to turn this into a weekly segment, but I just discovered this band from Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. It's called the dirty nil. They're a three piece band and they just put out an album a couple of years ago that I discovered a couple of weeks back. It's called Ma- master volume. And it's one of the best albums of yeah. all time for me. Master of what? I think you got uh, master volume. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're a little more punk influence, but I'd almost put them under the umbrella term of like grunge for kind of the style of, because most they are three piece and most of the grunge bands were, were three piece back in the nineties, but it's really melodic with like the vocals, but there's a little bit of like scream singing, not, not too much. It's not like screamo or anything, but it's just like high energy, like real emotional music. And yeah, that band, I've been listening to them nonstop for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing awesome. I'm scared about is burning myself out on them just from listening to them 24 seven. I don't know. That's tough, especially for music. Like for me, I find myself listening
1: to the same songs over and over, and maybe there's one or two that I get burnt out on. But like, I just continue to listen to those songs. It's it's interesting how most things in life you get burned out on, but songs there's some that just latch onto your heart and you can listen to them. You know, I, I'm a I'm a '90s early 2000s R&B guy, and I'll just listen to that like that baby making music uh, <laughs> over and over and over. And like I've been listening to it a long time, and and I still just enjoy listening to it so i think music's just a little bit different so i don't know if you can get burned out but maybe we can catch a show somewhere in canada one time that would be
0: pretty intense that would be so much fun yeah they, they're they so high energy and like they've got like the punk ethos and everything and i'm a big fan of that so we should I, definitely try and try and catch one i'm a country guy and like i said r&b early R- 90s and 2000s r&b but do they mosh at these at these concerts um, they do, but usually like it's, it's pretty like, obviously like violent in there, but it's not like to hurt people. So okay. I, I, most, most like punk fans who really get into it will really look after you if you get in there, but you can always stay off to the, to the side or in the back and oh, avoid I'm it if you're not into that scene. That,
1: that's not my scene. <laughs> Have you caught, found yourself in the middle of a
0: mosh? Um, a time or two. There's a oh, lot of really God. good <laughs> shows. <I've, laughs> there's a lot of really good shows I've been out to in uh, the Denver area at some uh, really nice like small venues and some of the bands that get in there just i mean their music just calls for it so sometimes you're out there sometimes you got to try and stay up to the side i guess it depends on how you're feeling yeah also
1: now you'd probably feel pretty good in a mosh at 200 pounds but before at 165 <laughs> you might get a stiff fired. wind would have blew me over yeah, back in the day but that, now i'm a tank yeah that would scare me so <laughs> man okay It's good to know. So if I'm ever going to one of those high intensity places, I'm going to take you the moshing expert and you're going to protect me. (laughs) Oh yeah. Bodyguard for you. Nice. Okay. So just kind of continuing my trip. Um, So from there I was driving and through New Mexico and a deer jumps out in front of my car and I swerve and I get around the deer and I'm thinking like, if I were to crash my car, Laura doesn't have a car. I don't have a car. Like we we would have been in a tough spot. So luckily I was kind of, they had the sign that said like next 23 miles, uh, deer crossing or, or alert the deer. And so I, luckily I saw it and I was like kind of looking out and I saw it in my peripherals and it was kind of like, a football sequence where I was like, Oh, this is a DB. He's running. I I can't throw this ball or put my car here. I'm going to hit it. So like, I just kind of changed my path. So thank football. got to thank football for saving my car and probably my life to tell you the truth. But, uh, so after that happened, I was driving and I was in Arizona and it was getting late. My plan was I packed really light. So my plan was just to sleep in my car um, because I was only going to sleep like four or five hours. And and Mm -hmm. I didn't find it, you know, renting a hotel and especially with all the COVID stuff and everything going on. I was like, it's just not worth it. So anyways, Mm -hmm. I'm in Arizona and it's around 10 o'clock and I'm getting tired. I started at seven in the morning when I left. So getting a little tired. It's 10 p.m. I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, that the time changes, I lose an hour when I go from Arizona to New Mexico. So I was like, I might as well just cross the border and then, and then I'll rest. So then I don't lose that when I wake up. And so I drive across and sure enough, Arizona's rest stops were open. New Mexico's were not. So now I drove past two rest stops and both of them were closed. And I'm thinking, what am I gonna do? And I remember one of my buddies said, well, you can sleep in a Walmart parking lot. (laughs) And so so Mm -hmm. I look up the next Walmart or closest Walmart. There was one on the way. It was about two hours away in this little tiny town of New Mexico. And so I'm here, I am driving to about midnight and I am just exhausted. I get to this Walmart and I'm just thinking, luckily there's like a decent amount of cars in there. So you can tell a lot of people do that. You know, I've never Mm -hmm. done anything like that, but I remember just like getting in the back of the car and I'm just like, kind of like laying there and I'm like, my my windows back windows are like slightly tinted but the, like the front are not tinted at all and i'm like people can just be staring at me sleeping right now so that was kind of w- weird for me it wasn't very comfortable in the car either i kept waking up like every hour but luckily i was able to sleep about 5 hours and i got up i mean i slept 5 hours total but my actual sleep time was like i don't know 3 hours and 15 minutes or something
0: mm-hmm.
1: anyways i get back on the road i'm like i should just get back on the road this is not worth it so i get back on the road And when I cross over into Texas, I saw a car flipped and a guy was ejected from the car. And like, I was like probably two or three minutes late to the scene because there was already a swarm of people, but there was no like ambulance, no cops. And this guy was just laying on the side of the road and you could see like his, he had a truck that was flipped on its side and everything from the bed of the truck just spilled out everywhere. And it would just look like a huge accident but there was only one car and you see the window was shattered and he's just laying there and like i mean i i told myself i'm like i'm not a doctor or anything what's a quarterback mm-hmm. going to do to save i just felt so helpless you know so i just said a quick prayer and just kind of kept pushing along i was like there's plenty of people already there but man i it just made me think and just kind of like at any given moment it could be your time and and that kind of just struck me i was like i was 20 i was i was about 20 hours in i had about 3 hours left 2 hours left and I'm thinking at risk like, for falling asleep at the wheel, which he might've done, you know? And I'm thinking like, yeah, And I'm thinking that could, I mean, that could be any one of us. It's just crazy. I, it looked like his tire blew out because there was rubber all over the place. So I think he blew out his tire and then it just kind of lost mm-hmm. control and then flipped his car. But yeah, it's scary, man. It's scary being on the road that long. Um, especially like you said, when you're tired, cause you're not as alert. And so luckily I made it safe. My wife was worried. Laura was worried about me so much. Um, just checking in with me, my dad, he always, whenever I take long road trips he always calls me and he'll talk to me for you know hours on end oh, just you can talk to that road. guy for hours yeah, for sure. yeah. he's easy yeah. to talk to yeah and he's a truck driver for a living right so he knows exactly how it how it feels to be in yeah. the road <laughs> so yeah he it definitely helped me get through it so
0: yeah dude but, you got to right, start writing about all these uh trips you've been taking on the road with uh jack kerouac Slash uh, Tony Pajardo. Crazy, huh?
1: I drove, you know, D.C. (laughs) to Reno, which that was three days. And then Reno to Texas. I drove from Reno to B.C. That was about 15 hours. Um, so yeah, I've, I I'm, I hate driving. I'm a terrible driver. I've finally admitted to my wife, Laura. She I've always used to say I'm a good driver, and I've just kind of said, you know what, I'm not very good. I'm not very good at driving, <laughs> and I just admitted it. As the competitor in me just kind of folded. Um, so she's always worried for me because I'm not the best
0: driver. Mm -hmm. understandably so so what did you uh what'd you do out in fort worth area with her yeah
1: yeah we uh we went to the zoo which i guess the fort worth zoo was like the number one zoo in the U S um, which is really cool. So we, we fed giraffes, uh, which was awesome. Uh, you can buy like some lettuce and feed the giraffes. Uh, my favorite animal is penguins. So we got to see some penguins, um, otters, lions, animal. tigers. Yeah. I think a penguin. Yeah. It's not very cool, but I would say my <laughs> spirit animal is a wolf, but my favorite animal is a penguin and no one wants
0: to say their spirit animal is a penguin. Cause let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, you've seen fight club, right? Yeah, oh well, yeah. At the beginning when he's like hallucinating and the penguin just goes slide. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the only thing I think of when I think of penguins now.
1: <laughs> I think a happy food. why is it your favorite though? I, I just, I just think they're funny, like just watching them waddle and they've done so many like documentaries and stuff on them. And I just, they may, I think they mate for life and stuff like that. And so it's just one of those things where I just kind of really am intrigued by them. They're such great swimmers, but they're such terrible land animals. Um, it's so hard that I mean, they're not always in the water. So you'd like, it's a give and take, but I think the, mm-hmm. un- the awkwardness of them is very appealing to me. If you had, a, if what, what's your spirit animal? Shoot. You're like a hyena, I feel like. That's like uh, it. Oh, <laughs> well, gee, thanks. Well, I saw some, it... I saw some hyenas at the um at the zoo. Either hy- hyena or a coyote. You're one of those. Just kind of like high strung and just kind of like we will just get after you. <laughs> just a bottom feeder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I never thought oh, about like saying that. Well, what do you feel? That's you can't say you're like a
0: lion or something cuz everyone always knows that. So Yeah. I don't know. I went to the butterfly museum in uh, butterfly the butterfly pavilion in Denver. Oh, okay. I've always been enthralled with butterflies ever since then. And I mean, I don't know. Seems it? like a pretty good animal because just they're erratically like, flying
1: all over the place. Is that because they're like gracious and like just nice and beautiful? I know your girlfriend. <laughs> she
0: loves butterflies, doesn't she? And oh yeah, flowers. Mm-hmm. I always see her Instagrams all about flowers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just a graceful person. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd like to be a butterfly. Sounds sounds like fun. Yeah, Yeah, just uh, pollinating, helping nature, cruising along. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, (laughs) it's better than a hyena or a (laughs) coyote. I feel like penguins are high strung too. They're always wearing tuxedos, dude. Dude, they're dressed to impress. That's the thing. Always that's one way to that's look me. at it.
1: That's me. You know me on road trips. I'm a big tie guy. I had to wear a tie and a collared mm-hmm. shirt every every trip, and uh, that's me dressed to impress.
0: Yeah, you were you were pissed when we started to happen to wear the uh, sweat Oh
1: man, that way I was so upset with Coach Dickey on that <laughs> because I mean, guys loved it. One, it's getting cold, which I get, and flying comfortable is a huge thing. But my whole mindset when I get on the plane is it's a business trip, not. A leisure trip. And when I'm going across the country, like in the US and I'm going on vacation, I'm gonna travel comfortable. But when I'm going to go beat a team at their home stadium, yeah, I'm I'm dressing up to the nines and I'm I'm looking good doing it. So I remember I wish I I wish I was able to, you know, dress up the whole time. But you were loving it because you're a big sweat sweatsuit guy.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't mind either way. Like I, I don't spend a ton of money on clothes, like we talked about the last time. So I'm not like exactly dressed to the nines when we were dressing up, anyways. Who's the best dressed guy on the team? That's a, that's probably a good question. And then who's the worst dressed guy
1: on the team?
0: <laughs> Ganey always was really swaggy on road yeah. trips. Our DBs,
1: they always had swag. Yeah.
0: The whole group, yeah. It was just but, like I mean Manny has the most swag out of anybody ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Manny he, man, man, had that cologne. Remember he gave you that cologne in the locker room? <laughs> <laughs> he
0: gave you that cologne. Yeah, he fixed my collar. He uh, did up, I think I had a tie that day. He did up my tie and then he's like, you're going to want to wear this with it too. And I'm like, right. okay.
1: <laughs> Manny's like that cool uncle that you go and he like just gets you swagged out. I remember that. He's like, here, try this. And I'm like, did you just give him cologne? I was like, man, I've never seen that before, but it just felt good. <laughs> manny what a good
0: dude miss that yeah. dude okay so worst but, dress guy shoot i don't want to throw anybody under the bus i can't even i might be one of them yeah your goodwill outfit was
1: not very great i'll i'll, I'll be honest with you i'm
0: in the i'm in the bottom tier for sure if we're going tier <laughs> system go ahead and put me in the bottom tier we Love tier systems <laughs> <laughs> that's our favorite pastime when we have like an extra 10 minutes it's like okay tier list of uh Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like anything. Anything, Yeah. Food quarterback. Yeah. Fast food restaurants. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I just want to talk about your summer. So for me, this is the first time I've had summer, like actually off in a long time. So being able to go up to the lake, I've been playing a lot of golf, which I feel like I've been getting pretty decent at. Um, what, what have you been kind of up to in the summer that you, you obviously
0: wouldn't be doing if you're in Canada? Yeah, so, uh, so like last summer, I actually missed two of my best friends growing up. Their wedding, missed being a yeah. best man in one of them for being up in in Canada. So there's a there's another round of weddings, the usual summer round of weddings. So I'm gonna be in a wedding next week, and then there's another wedding I got to go to that same day after being in that one. So I get to run the gauntlet of uh, going to weddings and two stuff weddings with, in uh, one day. friends. Two weddings, yeah, and one it's day. gonna. <laughs> yep, <laughs> one's at five thirty. That's the one I'm going to be in. The other one's before that at four thirty. So I'm going to try and make the at least just like say hi because they oh, invited you. So you are you gotta... crazy,
1: dude. <laughs> also wedding crashers, man, The fact that they're in the same area. Most people get married like all over the
0: country. So it's always hard. I think they're like 20 minutes apart. So it shouldn't be too, too big of a strain. uh, Yeah. I never thought about that. It's It's like, everybody always goes somewhere where it's
1: nice and weather. And I'm surprised COVID hasn't put like a limit on those guys. I know a lot of guys, a lot of my friends, uh, they had to delay their weddings till next year and, and stuff because they were letting like only 25 guests. And they're like, well, our guest list, 250. So <laughs> how do we make that, decision? you know, family and in-laws is going to round up to about 25. Yeah. I've missed cases. I've missed so many weddings because of CFL because everyone has it in the summer. And so like some of my mm-hmm. best friends, it's
0: or the great. fall The the two biggest seasons for it.
1: Yeah. And some of my best friends will legitimately based their wedding off of our season. So they will be like, Hey, what are the dates you can make it? And they pretty much plan their wedding for me. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to do that. But they're like, yeah, you're in my wedding. I want you to be there. So yeah, that's happened a few times, but I mean, there's been guys that
0: I've been in their wedding and I haven't been able to make it. And it's just, it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, so I mean, you get to do the weddings in the summer. Get to do the a couple of bachelor parties for people's weddings. You'll be in, and then like going to the lake is always nice during the summer if you can if you're close enough in proximity. So gone a couple of times. Yeah, just to unwind a little bit. Have you ever been to Lake
1: Tahoe up here in Reno? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh man, it's probably one of the most beautiful lakes. I think in the U- U.S., I think hands mm-hmm. down, in the U.S. It's one of the most beautiful lakes. Um, when you come out, man, you're gonna have to check it out. Jay will uh, is coming out. He, yeah, he should be coming out the, tomorrow, and uh, we should get some work in. I'm gonna take him up to the lake and just kind of see what his overall thoughts about that are. So, you got a boat, or you just run? No, no, no. no we're not gonna go on the actual lake. Oh, like, okay. It, so I was like, big. damn. No, yeah, come on, <laughs> can't work. hide it. We got no, no season. I got no income, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: so speaking of income you get you do you have a job off-season job um i've been doing just training here and there but it's nothing like really scheduled so once like i've got something lined up in case the season doesn't work out but that's like a worst case scenario but i mean i'd love to work there it's just like i'd i'd rather play yeah so I'll, i'll be working with um jenkins elite out of colorado and the centennial area that's the guys who did my draft prep stuff and i just i think he's the best in the business and he gets you ready like mentally so i think i could help guys on that side too so so i you, you really have it. a lot of athletes uh he's he's got a huge base of athletes i think that they have a weekly thing every sunday and i think they get about 350 400 guys out there every sunday oh, wow that's. A, that's it started with just quarterbacks, but now he's doing receivers, running backs, and O line as well. Do you know how much he charges? Um, I'm not sure on that one. Like for the weekly fee or or anything like that. But it's yeah, he's it's not it's it's a big business. He's doing really well. It's on. Is it so? It's on the field and in the classroom. Both. Yeah, he does like if you get the the weekly session then you get access to the online courses that he teaches he teaches live once a week online and then he has you get access to the full course that he's put together he's put together like I think it's like 50 hours worth of content and stuff to like surf through and learn. So I, that's huge. Cause I never had that growing up. So I was just Googling stuff like West coast offense, Bill Walsh, like, cause I just like have a hunger for that stuff. So. And what does he teach? He teaches like
1: coverages and, and route concepts and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. in those classes he'll teach like defensive fronts. He'll teach like, okay, you got an under front to the field. High alert for uh, field blitz, which field blitz is this. And usually the covered behind it is this, but. The another big thing he does is he has NFL clips like cut ups and he'll go through and like show, okay, look, look at Drew Brees here. He's working a whip under concept. He looks the mic to the field first before reading the will on whether he's going to throw the whip or the dig behind him. Like it's just really cool. Like next level stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that is, that's a great resource to have. Nobody's
0: doing that, which is really cool. He also, he, he was in the league for a preseason. So he has, um, Brian Schottenheimer's, west coast book that he teaches to his draft prep guys to like prepare them for the wordiness of it and like okay this is what an nfl read sheet looks like you go through it like this you talk through it like this okay now you got to go up on the board and draw it okay now draw a cover three defense with it now what what are you thinking
1: you know yeah that's huge and that's something that guys don't can't you know get those reps especially when you're coming out of college the hardest thing is the long wordy plays and just saying it in the huddle and then realizing okay now what do i have to do now you have to go out and execute it and i remember just in the nfl getting it through the headset a 16 play uh play call that sounds like yeah. like that yeah you know you're just <laughs> yeah. like
0: what was he right back classy yeah stat right both bench Oaks balloon on one go you got the play clock. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'm giving
1: the again signal. And I just remember I was like, this is this is tough. Can't we just do signals? But thankfully, the CFL has the wristbands, which helps tremendously because then you can eliminate all that. And like the wristband panic is what we call it, where you forget you the play, the panic. you get to look back down at it. And you're like, oh, yeah. But probably last year, I mean, I, I probably called the wrong play probably five or six times where coach says like play 55 and you put your finger on it and you read play 56 on accident like that that happened about five times last year and I was like what we did not call that and I look on her like oh yeah I called the wrong play
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll be standing on the sideline like okay we're in a week and then we'll line up in quads I'm like oh (laughs) i don't know what's going on
1: did he audible in the in the (laughs) title
0: no he doesn't like like play 55 so he automatically calls 56 and just says oh i um i missed the call i've done that i've (laughs) done that
1: probably three times in my career we're called a play and um, i read it and i'm like i just don't feel comfortable with this so i look underneath it and i'm like oh i like this play better and i call it and i'm like oh i called 57 instead of 56 and then they're oh, like oh. my bad my bad yeah they don't get as mad as you actually audibly it because they're like oh it's just a mistake as opposed to me deliberately <laughs> choosing
0: to pick that <laughs> i told you during during uh, my mini camp with the riders they didn't give us wristbands Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you were were you off cards? No, Oh, not the quarterbacks. They'd hold it above the quarterback's head. Mac would tell you the play and then you'd have to tell everybody. (laughs) So I was like I had trained for that with Jenkins like over and over and over. So I was like I was cool with it. I remember you
1: saying that and I'm like, I'm thinking you were telling me that in in training camp and I'm like, dude, you you don't have to know it word for word for word. Like you'll have a wristband and you're like, I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, really? No, that's going to be really easy then. Cause you had like the first three installs Installs. to to the T and I'm like, yeah, I don't think you need to memorize every
0: single word. And you're like, really? (laughs) I was shocked. I was like, "Yeah, during mini camp we didn't have them, so I just like because they I got the first three early, and I'm like, I guess I'm just gonna memorize these like uh like the Lord's Prayer or something yeah, like. <laughs> no, seriously, that's kind of how you have to do it. You have to find your own way. What helps you? What helps you memorize? Like,
1: what's, um, how do you go about it?
0: I like looking at the words because. And then looking at the picture and then once I have like the word to picture thing, like now, like when I see the words, I picture the play from like a top down perspective and that's how I help. Like it helps me get everybody lined up in case people are lined up wrong and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I like to, I like to stare at the picture and then just close my eyes and then read the, read the word and then cover the picture and then just draw it out. And if I can draw it out from just seeing the words, And close my eyes and just picture it how it is in the book. I know I can move on to the next one, and and that's I'm like I like seeing the picture first as opposed to the writing
0: first. So we're Mm -hmm. a little bit different there that way. I would assume, yeah, because I like once I figured out that we get the wristbands, like the words is are first in my head when I'm reading them. So I like to be able to like during reading them be able to see it. So that's kind of like the. Like the procedure, I guess, of how I get them memorized.
1: Yeah, I don't think the fans realize, I mean, we have some sometimes we have like upwards to hundred and something plays. I remember when I was with Tressman, we had the wristband only goes up to 118, I believe, and we had all 118 plays filled in. And he was thinking about having another wristband with more plays. And I'm thinking like Coach Tresman, we only run an average to about 70 plays per game. Mm-hmm. And you want to have 120 plus plays? Like, we're not going to get to all these plays. Why are we going to have them in? <laughs> you know? And uh, mm-hmm. just, I guess it's just a comfort thing for a coach to have all those plays on your wristband where you can pull from. But you got to think, your shortened practices, you don't get to rep 120 plays. You just need mm-hmm. to rep the ones. So like last year with Coach McAdoo, we probably had about – 85 would you say about a game Yeah, 85 to 90 on average Yeah, for sure. on average yep some games we went in with about 70 and some games we went in with 90 95 but for the most part we were hovering around that 80 to 85 mark for the most most of the time and that is way more doable than 118 to 130 because as a quarterback you need to know everybody's position where they're at and what they're doing for 125 plays as another position like a receiver you only have to know your spot for 124 plays so it just makes things really difficult to memorize all that stuff i
0: think that's hard in its own right too because there's motions attached to position players as well so having 118 like okay i'm tangling into the boundary now i'm running this like that that can be difficult yeah, too I'm no sure. doubt.
1: and and that was that was the hard part and ricky was the one who helped me the best was he just said look i don't I don't memorize what guys letters are like shacks and X J wills a W, you know, stuff like that. He's like, I just picture the read and the route concept and they just have to be responsible to getting there. (laughs) And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's a great way to put it. Cause if you're worried about getting everybody lined up and set up, like, first of all, you have a 20 second play clock. So you're not going to get the playoff. And second off, you're not going to remember your read or be able to get through your read because you're so focused on one thing. And now you got to focus in on, okay, what what am I thinking backside? And then all of a sudden they bring sting and now you got to throw hot and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, Mm -hmm. overthinking everything. So that helped me tremendously because I was trying to figure out each and every individual letter. So for fans listening, if we're on the left hash and we have two guys to the boundary and three guys to the field, we call the furthest guy to the left X, the guy inside of that guy would be the W then the tight end. So the number one guy closest to us uh, to the field would be the Y or the R. And then number two to the field would be the Y. And then the last guy close to the sidelines, the Z and it's just those letters are just all jumbled up and crazy when you get motions and you get a bunch of different things going on. So yeah. And you're trying to get
0: mismatches and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah. But have you been watching, uh, last chance you? I've, I've watched the first episode, but that's, that's it so far. Have you, are you deep into it? I'm deep. Yeah. I, I got one episode left and I usually crush those
1: because I'm just so intrigued by it. Like, you know, how we always, inter- when we interview guys, I'm just, so intrigued by guys recruiting process and their journey. Cause everyone has their own journey and they're usually spectacular. And some of mm-hmm. these guys, man, the things that they go through, one guy's got like two kids, another guy's sleeping in his car. Another guy's just like renting a house with like people who are 80 years old. And he's just like, has nothing in common with them and so it's just like one of those things where you kind of you kind of count your blessings and that i i mean i was fortunate enough to get a scholarship out of high school and didn't have to go the juco route but man do i have a lot of respect for those guys who go to junior college
0: yeah the, the even in the first episode you see those guys coming from tough backgrounds and they're working jobs while they're playing and stuff making it work it's it's pretty inspiring my favorite part
1: about this one in particular is that it's a California JUCO, and so the ones before mm-hmm. they were like Kansas or you know these schools that give scholarships and have these great facilities. California JUCO is a different beast now. It uh it's tough, like like exactly what we're seeing—guys sleeping in their car and stuff like that. That's what it is because these guys don't get money to uh, to go to California JUCOs, even though the competition's number one. They just don't have the facilities, don't have the money backing, and so I'm glad because when I watched the episodes or the parts before the seasons before, I was like, "This is not JUCO football that I know. I know the JUCO football guys struggling, trying to figure out what are they going to eat." Like one, uh, just a little spoiler, but one of the guys like, "Man, I'm starving right now," and he's like, "How much money do I got in my account?" And he had five bucks in his account, and you're just like heartbroken for this guy dude. and I'm thinking this guy's an athlete how are you expected to play at your best when you're sleeping out of your car when you're eating fast food all the time because that's all you can afford and you get you just have no room to grow in terms of your strength and recovery and all that stuff and it's man it's tough
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, it's hard to wrap your head around
1: it really is when you when you don't go through it in that, that situation like that so man it's tough
0: so MLB started back up. You know me, mm. I'm a big angels guy. The angels, big angels are guy. hot, man. 10, <laughs> 10 runs
1: the other day. Rendon, oh, Trouty. Trouty hit a three run bomb two two games ago. Rendon, which is, was our new acquisition from the Washington uh, nationals. He was, he's a beast and he played his first game yesterday and hit a bomb uh three-yard, three three-run three jack. So, the only thing that that I was very disappointed in was my man Otani got shelled <laughs> on
0: Sunday, yeah. and that was mm-hmm. his first time pitching. But uh, yeah, he got shelled, and it wasn't very good sighting. Uh, the thing I was most excited about was to see like the Dodgers Astros beef after everything that came out about their World Series run, and we got a little taste of it. Did you watch a couple the game? Days back. I
1: wanted to watch that game, but I saw a clip of their pitcher struck out. I don't know who it was and was just mouthing something to him. And I was like, oh, this
0: yeah, is- I changed my answer from butterfly to I think Joe Kelly is my spirit animal, <laughs> dude. <laughs> they said that his uh, his jersey sales skyrocketed after last. Oh, night, I'm dude. sure. Was he just dialed in and he was striking these dudes out? Well, he was throwing. At some of their best players. So like he threw at Bregman a couple times and threw a couple behind him. And then he started throwing like 90 mile an hour fastball pickoff moves to first base, trying to hit him when he was on the bases. Really? Oh, I <laughs> yeah. Love it. So he did that like three times. Then the other guy comes up, he's throwing at his chin, he's throwing him up and in, and then finally he strikes him out. And the guy's like, throw me a fastball. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'll throw you a fastball, <laughs> dude. Shut up. <laughs> he's just like mouthing at him, and I'm just like, Oh, you gotta love that. I love that coming.
1: Altuve came up there with a – he never wears like an elbow pad and he wore an elbow pad because he knew he was going to
0: get <laughs> pegged. <laughs> you, already, you already know he's not in the right mindset when he's like, okay, I got to come out here in like a Michelin suit.
1: Yeah. How do you feel when you're – okay, let's put ourselves in Altuve's shoes. The whole league hates you, right, for being part of this cheating scandal. And every time you get to the plate, you're thinking, is this the – am I going to get beaned or am I actually going to get a good <laughs> – pitch down (laughs) the plate, right? That's got to fit it your head. So you're Mm -hmm. going to get beamed. And then all of a sudden, 98 mile an hour fastball right down the pipe. And you're like, well, that was my one chance, (laughs) you know? So I think Vegas had, Vegas had some prop bets about which Astros player is going to get pegged the most. And I think there was like an over and under how many times is the Astros player going to get pegged throughout
0: the entire year. And I'm mm-hmm. like, when Vegas is putting bets on that, oh my gosh, that means... Need- it's going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy too because they're going to get hit so much that when they hit home runs, they're just going to be like admiring them and slowly running the bases. And then next time that's going to ensure they get hit. Like they're, it's just going to be a vicious cycle of like getting hit and hitting home runs I feel like I know you just there's just no room in the game for cheating you're such a talented
1: player why I mean I get the advantage you can win a world series if you know what pitches come in but the I guess penalty for failure or for figuring out people figuring out that you were cheating is not worth not worth it I would much rather do it the honorable way and win and just feel really good as opposed to winning it and having a conscience and being like, well, I cheated to get this, you know, how do you, how do you feel about that whole, the whole cheating scandal?
0: I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm not a big fan of cheating. It's just like, it's so hard to say whether other teams are doing it in other ways too, that it, that's what I'm sure like the mindset that like gets them through it. Like, okay, well, I mean, obviously if we can do it, other people are doing it too. That's a good point. But, like they'll, they're just the ones that got caught, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like, I kind of take it back to, um, the tour de France, like it pretty much everybody had admitting to using EPO and stuff. Uh-huh. And then they take away Lance Armstrong's all seven of his championships. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like if everybody was clean, you, I, it's it's a danger it's a slippery slope argument though to argue like okay if everyone's clean he's gonna win those anyways but i mean
1: yeah no i agree it, it's it's scary i mean and, and you see even in the nfl like the patriots they're they're finding ways and they've been dominant and they've they've cheated you know filming practices like they filmed last year it was like I don't know. I don't remember the teams, but their combined record had like two wins or something. They were just like very bad. And it's like, what are you doing? You don't need that. You know, if you're really yeah. the best team in the world, why are you trying to cheat and trying to get it like up? But like you said,
0: everybody's trying to do it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sucks for everybody who's clean or like who's not cheating and then other teams are cheating. It just it kind of ruins like the sanctity of the the game that you're playing like the comp the human spirit of competition I I don't I think it really degrades that a little bit oh yeah for sure and I and
1: baseball took a hit for that I mean a lot of the fans were just like this is not the game I know this is not America's pastime right it's just the cheating app Mm -hmm. just has no place in baseball for that and a lot of the players I'm thinking about you know the Astro guys and you got to think they either have they have to play for the Astros organization the rest of their career because if they go into another locker room, guys are gonna, you know, treat them poorly or just look at them differently because they, they ru- the guys' careers were ruined over things like this. Like some guys got shelled, some pitchers got shelled, and they got cut from their teams because. And they're like, man, I it just seemed like they knew what I was throwing,
0: and that was exactly it that's the scariest part is ruin someone who's like really had nose to the grindstone really worked hard their entire career and they kind of like get the very short end of the stick when other people are trying to figure out ways around rules and and yeah. honestly I, I feel like there shouldn't even really be a rule just because it should be like okay that's like fair and square you know what i mean for this in particular case or what yeah like i don't think there needs to be rules put in place like okay you can't Oh yeah, have have cameras that tell you what pitches are coming because like that kind of takes away the like the challenge of the sport is like it should be mano e mano.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. If I know a fastball's coming and I can just wait on or wait on a curveball, like. My, my job as a hitter, that's the hardest part of a hitter is guessing, is it going to be a 95 mile an hour fastball or is it going to be a 68 mile an hour curveball? which is.
0: And it takes away the intricacies of hitters. Like, okay, when he holds his glove like this, he's he's giving you a fastball. Like it takes away those little skills and things like that
1: too. But I'm fascinated. Like we, like we do in the film room, we try and pick up on those little things. That's what I'm fascinated by. Like, okay, every time the pitcher takes his hat off, he usually throws a fastball afterwards or every time he rubs some dirt on his He he throws a curveball like those little things. Mm -hmm. That's what gives you a leg up, and I see nothing wrong with that. That's just a tell sign helps you play play baseball. But when you got a buzzer on you, and it buzzes you every time a curveball's coming, you know, yeah, so it makes it tough. My biggest argument with that whole thing is that the Astros are in the Angels' conference, and the Angels came in second place quite a bit of time. (laughs) (laughs) So you're extra salty. (laughs) I'm super salty because everyone's always bashing the Angels because you got Mike Trout, the best player in the world. And you can't even make the playoffs. And I'm thinking, like, okay, well, the Astros are cheating, and they're winning 100, 100 games a year.
0: We have cannot compete with that. So, uh, dude, I was listening to this podcast with Armstrong, and he was like, "People have been cheating for so long; it's just comes. It's come so far since the beginning." He's like, "I don't know if there's any truth to this, but this is what he said." He's like, "In the beginning of the early, like, early years of the Tour de France, they would get fishing line and tie a cork to the end of it." hold the cork in their teeth and have a fishing line being pulled by a car to like cheat for some portions of the race. And yeah. I was like, what people will go to such extreme lengths to get an advantage. That's insane. Yeah, that is very insane. But I think
1: the technology's advanced so much that the cheating aspect has just kind of been brought more to light because there's so many things that hoops, you got to jump through, or there's so many things that can detect it. I think that's what we're running into now. You got so many different camera angles. These HD cameras can see everything, can see the player's mouth back and forth and you can read someone's lips like those are the things that i think is what's really exposed the cheaters uh, before it was like you can get away with anything you know mm-hmm. the, the cheat and was was juicing that was that was it in baseball it was like were you on steroids or not now it's mm-hmm. you know
0: are you filming the pictures and I'm like,
1: <laughs> throwing? that's crazy
0: got the cameras and the teddy bears of like different pitcher's houses like okay like what pitches has he been working on like what's he talking about at home yeah
1: <laughs> Because, uh, that, honey, this teddy bear is new. Yeah, I don't know. It showed up. <laughs> One eye is red. One eye is red. No, oh, it's recording something. <laughs> well, oh, I, hope, man. I hope we can get to football. I, I miss it. I miss being out there. I miss the fans. I miss being in the locker room, I think, the most. Just, like, talking with guys and just smiling and laughing and, and guys clowning on other guys. Like, that. that's – that's what I miss most. I think about the, the whole season and missing a whole season is just being around guys, uh, in the locker room. What, what are you, what are you feeling?
0: Yeah, dude, I'm having definite withdrawals from football. Just like I'm a really competitive guy and there's only certain like aspects of life where you can really let your competitive spirit go hundred percent. So I'm missing that a lot. Without being a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay, like we're playing ping pong, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, dude, you bought more chicken broth than me. Good job.
1: <laughs> All right. I think Isaac, we should do, cause we never go through the two minute drill. So mm-hmm. it would be kind of fun. And I know you and I have talked about this of doing something similar to that, but not actually a two minute drill, like something like first and 10 where I, where we just ask each other 10 questions and you got to answer them as fast as possible. And and we can get our competitive spirit on because Next week, I'll just I'll do my 10 questions and we'll just compete against each other. How's that? Oh god,
0: I love it. Okay. I love this idea. Okay, good. All <laughs>
1: right. So I will not start the timer until the first question's asked. Are you ready? Excellent. Okay. I'm ready. Only 10 questions. So don't be Ricky Ray and think about <laughs> a long drawn-out answer. Like you gotta just give it, give me an answer. If I ask you why, you gotta elaborate a little bit. But one-word answers are okay. All right, you got it. Here we go. What is something you don't understand? Quantum mechanics. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken. What should they teach you in school that they don't?
0: Ooh, tax stuff and like how to do deductions. Best book you've read? Uh, a separate piece by John Knowles. Best pickup line? Uh... <laughs> Are you sitting on the F5 key cuz that ass is refreshing. <laughs> 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 oh, I paused. it. Paused. okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Did that work on Emily? Right. I, I haven't uh, tried it out on her yet. Maybe uh maybe tonight for a laugh. I don't know, we'll see. Oh, oh, getting a little getting a little hours
1: <laughs> on <out> here. <laughs> all right, here we go. Ready go. Super salad.
0: Salad. Why? because it's crisp and refreshing is less more sometimes why uh too much of anything moderation is good what is the best font wingdings why because it's all over the place (laughs) best month of the year october why football fall halloween my birthday most overrated band acdc oh what mm-hmm. a A C blazing
1: overrated
0: yeah i i it's too overplayed on the radio and it's just not intricate enough to warrant that many repeat listens okay you said best font is lingding is that- yeah it's like all the mailboxes and like symbols and stuff like that i don't even see i'm pulling up a word document i don't even see it in there i see oh. lobster or Laura. At least, <laughs> at least I didn't say Times New Roman. Yeah. Well, that's the most overused font. That's for sure. Yeah, no question.
1: And then you said salad. Okay, that makes sense. You said that was a panic.
0: That was an absolute panic.
1: Chicken came first. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think so. That's fair.
1: And teaching school. Yeah, the the taxes definitely, I think, is good. What, your book. What was your book? Uh, a separate piece by John Knowles. Oh, nice.
0: I'm not a big reader, but so, and best pickup line. That was my favorite. (laughs) That was an absolute panic. That was like the last thing, like ridiculous thing I've seen on Twitter or something. Oh yeah. Sure. 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 Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) You don't use it. You don't use it.
1: all right everyone listeners thank you so much for uh, listening to episode nine wow we're already nine episodes deep so we've appreciated remember
0: to leave reviews and subscribe on whatever you use your podcast on
1: yeah and continue to write in questions we haven't got some fan questions in a while i think because we haven't asked but write mm-hmm. in questions we'd love to interact with some fans and hopefully we can uh, make this podcast to your liking so hope you enjoy episode
0: nine just the banter episode of isaac and i and uh have a great week Thank you for listening to The Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment,
1: a Rough Rider podcast.
0: You're listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment,
1: your Macdon headquarters. When you're in the field this harvest, let Macdon lead the way. Macdon headers are built tough to deliver worry-free harvesting performance with any crop, in any condition, and on any combine. Remember to go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package.